Though I'm an employee of Ronald Blue Trust, Talking Money represents my individual views and not those of my employer or any sponsor of the program. During the program, I may discuss market trends as well as specific financial planning techniques and investment ideas. These discussions are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations to any individual or organization. Work with your attorney or accounting or investment professional for specific individual advice and services. Any securities or investment products discussed on Talking Money are not insured by the FDIC, are not a deposit or other obligation of or guaranteed by any bank, and are subject to investment risks, including possible loss of principal amount invested. Good morning and welcome to finally a dry, beautiful Saturday morning here in the upstate of South Carolina. You're listening to Talk Money, Talking Money. We'll try to talk as we try to to make you aware of some things that are going on these days. I think uh, most of you have probably heard of something called the coronavirus that is out there and, and wreaking havoc in the turmoil and volatility of the markets, not doing much in the economy yet, although I'm sure there will be some, I know there will be some negative uh, uh, responses to it because the the supply chains and a lot of things going on with manufacturing is slowing down from China. Yeah, that's going to have a negative effect. Is, is it going to have the negative effect that that it should or that it looks like the market is is um, trying to predict to us? Yeah, well, time will tell. But I've got some great information about all this stuff. We're going to talk about what the stock market did this week. And really the last couple of weeks, I haven't had a an update on the market for several weeks. Last week, we're live at the uh, Greenville Convention Center for the Good News Club Spectacular Program. That was a lot of fun. A lot, a lot of people showed up for that and was able to meet a number of listeners. It was nice seeing people wave as they walked into the the uh, big arena. And, of course, now the Southern Home and Garden Show is out there now. The, the Home Pros guys are out there doing their thing. So that's uh, always fun as well. And uh, got a couple other events coming up. I want to I share with you, this is real life. So all this stuff going to the market is fun. We'll talk about it. Uh, not much you can do about it. It uh, you can uh, you can hopefully not do as much as some people are doing with panicking about it. We'll we'll certainly address those issues. But a couple of events coming up over the next couple of weeks that I want you to know about. And Ronald Blue Trust, our firm, is uh, the presenting sponsor this coming week at the Generations Group Home. They have an annual luncheon. It's a fundraiser. It's free, but it is a fundraiser. And Jimmy Wayne is coming to be the uh, keynote speaker. And if you've never heard Jimmy Wayne give his story, tell about his story. This is a great, uh, inspiring uh, story to listen to. And it has to do with a young man who went through many, many, many difficulties, things you couldn't even imagine. He's written a book called Walk to Beautiful with Ken Abraham. The New York Times bestseller book. And when you see what what God did in his life to use the negative things, the really bad things that happened in his life for good and ultimately have him be a successful music country music star and, and now traveling the country sharing his story and trying to help children, it's just amazing. So the Generations Home, of course, helps abused boys. And he's here to help uh, raise some money so that that uh, Generations Home can continue to do that. So he had an interview this past week with um, some of the folks, I think it was attached to Whistle 100, but it's called the Carolina Conference Call. Charlie Munson is the one interviewing him. And I thought it gave, I, I took just a little over four minutes out of it to you can hear some of Jimmy Wayne's story. Uh, but the, the banquet is actually this coming Saturday. He'll talk about when that is and some ways you can go to, hopefully it's not sold out yet, you can still get in. Uh, but 
but that's it's also uh, worth just learning about it, even if you can't uh, attend the, the luncheon. So, uh, Paul, let's go ahead and play this interview with uh, Jimmy Wayne. It's the 15th annual fundraising luncheon for the Generations Group, and Jimmy Wayne is going to be the guest speaker. It's Wednesday, March 11th, 1145 till 1 o'clock at the Greenville Convention Center uh, on Exposition Drive in Greenville. Jimmy, this fundraiser that they do and the money they raise from this, it basically helps take care of a kid, several kids, for a whole year. They get a lot out of this, don't they? Absolutely. Um, every, every, every dime, every penny. Um, you know, whether it's keeping the lights on, keeping the admin um, going, basically just taking care of the kids and um, to help them, you know, tr- transition and, and get in, you know, into adulthood, if you will, uh, with this uh, to, to cure them, um, to to heal them, to hope. Hopefully, they they don't go back to committing the uh, offenses that they did. That's the hope, and uh, it's a it's a successful uh, organization. Very successful, and I'm just, I'm very, I'm very glad they reached out to me and asked me to be a part of this because I just feel, I just feel connected. I just, for some reason, I just feel connected, and I need to be there. I'm on their website right now, generationsgroup.com, and it has uh, a list of some of the things that uh, get provided to a child when you reach out and when you help with this organization, with this fundraising lunch. And you think about the big picture thing, Jimmy. But one of the things that they have listed here is birthday presents. <laughs> I just can't. Yeah. Some of these kids don't even get a birthday present or a Christmas present. <laughs> well, that's normal. I mean, you know, when a kid like like the misunderstanding that that I believe that society has about these children is that they're trouble, they're bad kids, they're kids that's been in bad situations. They're not necessarily bad kids yet, mm-hmm. and um, so they don't ask for a lot because they're just not used to getting a lot. You know, when I was a kid. I remember at Christmas time, we didn't get anything. My mom was so poor, and she was a single parent, that the day after Christmas, I would go around the neighborhood, and I would look at people's trash cans and the boxes beside their trash can to see what the kids got for Christmas, because it would be a box of, you know, whatever toy that was. And that was just what I did. And and that's how I enjoyed Christmas vicariously through looking at their trash. But we didn't get anything. How do you recover from that when you've had that sort of a childhood? I mean, to, to, to get past that and, and not be mad at the whole world and everybody yeah. in it, to put your life on track, to become a successful singer and songwriter. How do you recover from that, Jimmy? I just I had a good childhood, and I just can't fathom well, that. It's just easy for me because um, several several things or several people, you know, when I was 16, this lady um, named Beatrice Costner. She was in her seventy-five uh, year old lady took me into her home and, and gave me a, a home. I mean, I was living outside, living out on the streets, and I had nothing. I had no home. Had I didn't have anything. Had I didn't have a job. So the amount of love that she gave me outweighed all of that pain, all of that struggle, and stuff. I mean, she just changed my entire life. But ultimately, you know, it's it's it may sound like a cliche, but it truly is. It truly is having that relationship with God and saying, you know, I know you know what I've been through, and I'm just asking you to help me. And I and I'm, you know, I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do to be obedient. It doesn't sound like a cliche coming from you because you absolutely lived it. I have lived it, and 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 that's the testimony. It's like you know, I you, you can hear people say, "Well, I've been there." Well, 
or or, or or they haven't been there, but they'll say, hey, hang in there. And it's like, well, what am I supposed to hang on to? <laughs> or, or you can make it. Well, how do you know I can make it? I mean, it's different when you've been there. And you can say, here's how you make it. This is how you make it through that. Okay, great interview there, and and, and you you can hear the the expanded version at the Generations Group Home Luncheon that will be uh, this, this coming Wednesday from eleven forty five to one. It's going to be a short, sweet thing. Uh, Jimmy will have about forty five minutes to share his story. I first met Jimmy Wayne some years ago. My daughter uh, Jennifer lived in Nashville and actually met him through her Sunday school class at church. And Ken Abraham was the, is the Sunday school teacher of that class. Great teacher and a great writer. He's written 16 or 17 New York Times bestsellers. And Jimmy Wayne's book was one of them. And so I got to meet Jimmy several times and, and heard his story a number of times. It never gets old. It, it just never gets old. And then I understand when you read the Walk to Beautiful book, which I would encourage everyone to get, especially if you have, um, Teenagers or soon to be teenagers and you, and you're concerned about maybe a rebellious streak or someone that seems to be taking things for granted. Let them listen to and read the Jimmy Wayne story and say how good you have it and, and how bad he had it, but still was able to uh, get through that with God's help and make something of his life. And that was really one thing that he mentioned several times that I appreciate that, that if somebody a teenager, whomever, doesn't want to help themselves. You can't, you can't help. So God's got to give them that desire to help themselves. But if they want help, you want to be the one that helps. And that's what's going on at Generations uh, Group Home. And that's uh, what we're going to be talking about this coming uh, Wednesday. Got another uh, event coming up a week later. We'll talk about that when we get back from this break. If you've got a question, if you want to have a comment or question about what's going on in the markets, uh, we'll gear up for that just a few minutes after we get back in the break after I mention this about the America Hill Banquet coming up as well. 877-235-9405. If is the text line or phone line, if you want to just make a comment about what's going on, maybe maybe you've canceled some trips, maybe you're not, you're not worried about it. Uh, we'd like to hear about that as well. 877-235-9405. We'll be right back. Ronald Blue Trust is pleased to sponsor Talking Money. Ronald Blue Trust is a company with a vision to see individuals and families practicing biblical stewardship and experiencing freedom from economic fear, bondage, and conflict. They want their clients and their families to enjoy debt-free living free to answer the call to ministry or whatever their passion is, feeling at peace with their investments and the way they are being professionally managed to help accomplish their financial objectives so they can focus on other aspects of their lives and help clients make wise financial decisions, live generously, and leave a lasting legacy. As a trust company, Ronald Blue Trust Advisors come alongside the next generation to help transfer your values and help you leave your lasting legacy. If you're a business owner, the Business Consulting Division can help you define your company's culture and, very importantly, then help convey that culture to the next generation of leaders in your company. Find out more about Ronald Blue Trust at ronblue.com, send an email to greenville at ronblue.com, or call the Greenville office at 864-233-7405 or 1-800-588-7526. That's 1-800-588-7526. Now back to Talking Money. And we are back with Talking Money. It's about 19 after the hour here on this Saturday morning. And you're listening to Talking Money, the actually only 
live call-in show about money on WGTK The Answer. So we're the only ones you can actually call and ask questions to. So we're here to answer those questions. 877-235-9405 is our text line or phone line. Feel free to get in touch with us either way. If you want to just uh, think of a question during the week and you just want to get a question in to make sure it gets answered at some point in time, go to TalkingMoneyRadio.com. TalkingMoneyRadio.com. And there you can ask a question. You'll say right on there to ask a question. Go to the radio show and it'll, it'll give you a place to ask a question. And you can also get a see recordings and all the podcasts we have of, of many different topics. And it's been interesting this couple weeks. This last week, I had a couple of times opportunities where someone had called in and asked a particular question. And I said, well, go to talkingmoneyradio.com and you, you can, uh, here's the brief answer for your question. Uh, but here's a way to, to learn more. So this one uh, lady called that I've known for years, but she was calling for a friend of hers. She's not a client, but she's calling about a friend of hers who had some questions about Medicaid eligibility and things like that. So I just sent her to the website. So we'll go have your friend listen there. Uh, Chad Groover, an elder law attorney that was on Talking Money a year or so ago. The recording's there, so you can listen to that 47 minutes or so and learn more about that particular topic. And there's a lot, lot of other topics you can learn about as well. Another another event coming up that Ronald Blue Trust is sponsoring is the uh, the main sponsor of, just like we are the the Generations Group Home, we are the presenting sponsor for that, as well as the Miracle Hill. Both great organizations, both really go to uh, treat different parts of the community and help different parts of the community. Miracle Hill, of course, is the big one. It has, has all kind of – I'm on the board, uh, so full disclosure, I'm on the board of Miracle Hill but and have been for four years, over four years. But their annual fundraising banquet, there again, it's a free event, just like the Generations Home is a free event, but it's a fundraiser. And this is how they get a lot of their funds for the year to do the things they do. And when you hear the things that Miracle Hill, the people that Miracle Hill helps, and you hear the the stories that you'll hear that night, it's just, to me, it, it shows you how valuable this is to our community. It's a community effort. And to be able to, to support an organization like that that helps feed people, that helps clothe people, that helps get families back together, that helps get people off of drugs or alcohol or the other things that they're addicted to and helps mothers get back with their families, get their, get their back on their feet. There's just so many things that Miracle Hill does. And so on March 17th at 6.30, there's a, a fundraiser banquet, and we'd love to have you come. And so I'll be there. We'll have a table with our guests and a whole bunch of other people will be there. And it's just a great time to learn about it. And you don't have to give anything. It could be something that just makes you aware of the event. And, and that's fine, too. We'd love for you to come. But it's March 17th at 6.30 at the Greenville Convention Center, where most of these are. Just like the the next week, the Generations Home is at the Greenville Convention Center. But you can go there. So go to MiracleHill.org and go to events, and you can register right there on the MiracleHill.org website. And we'd love to have you come to that. It's a it's a great event, and it's not it doesn't take all night. So a couple hours of your time, I think, is very well worth it, and it'll help make you aware of some things that are going on in the community that you may not have been aware that were even happening around here. So. We've had some interesting volatility going on in the in the markets the last couple of weeks. So did the did the stock market go up or down last week? What did it feel like? It felt like it went down again a lot, didn't it? Because the end of the week went down. Actually, it was a positive week. The Dow Jones was up about one point eight percent last week. 
the Russell uh, 2000 small companies were down about the same amount, but the S&P, the Dow Jones were both up. The S&P was up about 0.61%. And a lot of that came, and most of it came, at the very end of the trading on yesterday. So things looked like it was going to be, the, the market was going to be have another down week, and then we had a, an upturn that helped uh, help us out of that, uh, out of the red and stay in the, the, the black. So the Wall Street Journal's weekend edition, Saturday, Sunday edition that I get this morning, read through that. And there was one article that just described, gave a summary of it, said debt, um, the debt markets, talking about the yields on treasuries, the benchmark 10-year U.S. Treasury fell to record lows. Of course, as people get nervous about the market, they go back to treasuries, and that's globally. So we have people buying U.S. Treasuries from all over the, the world. But when they're buying treasuries, what's that do to the yield? That puts pressure on the yield because the price goes up. Well, the, the interest rate didn't didn't change. But if you have to pay more for the same interest rate, then your yield goes down. So that's why you have that going down. It's on the secondary market. That's not new ones being issued. It's the ones that are already out there. So it went down actually below uh, 0.7 for the first time. I think for in a long, long time, ended up at up a point seven eight. We'll talk more about that in a minute. The the Dow fell two hundred and fifty six point five points or one percent on Friday to close at twenty five eight sixty four seventy eight. It had been down, this is the interesting part, it had been down more than eight hundred and ninety points shortly after opening before clawing back nearly six hundred points in the last fifty minutes of trading, closing up the week about one point eight percent. So we had all that happen. So right at the end of the of the week, and the same thing happened, if you recall, a week ago, Friday, we had the same thing with the Dow Jones and, and the S&P uh, clawing back. And I think that was in the last 15 minutes at the very end of the day trading. It rebounded a lot, which gave then, I think, that catalyst for the first this week when the markets went up on Monday and then and down Tuesday, up Wednesday, down Thursday. Uh, you know, it's just the way it was going all the time. And I don't remember which days up and down. I just know it was up and down a lot. And it felt like it was just another big down week, but it, when it actually was not. And a lot of people that got really nervous the week before and, and bailed out, well, they, they lost the 1.8% upturn that they could have had the very next week by just staying in. The, later in the article, the yield on the bench, benchmark 10-year treasury, mentioned this, fell below 0.7 for the first time. And then it talks about oil prices. So the declining oil prices added to the market turmoil on Friday. So this is, this is one of those good and bad things. All right. We don't want to see oil prices go down too far because then that makes the oil companies that are doing the fracking and some of those other uh, exploration that they are doing, they can't afford to do that as much anymore. So that they slow that down, then that slows down the supply, which ultimately would, of course, would increase prices later. So it's better to have more stable prices, I think. But But from an economic standpoint, you think about the tax cut, essentially the tax cut, that people get when those low oil prices, lower oil prices, turn into lower gas prices sometime down the road. Well, I guess down the road. No pun intended. Down the road. But you'll you'll see that at the pump. So right now I've seen some below two dollars. And who would have ever thought, or as they say in in uh, in some of the parts of the state, who would have ever thunk that we would have had a situation where that when when you, it doesn't seem that long ago, does it, that we were three and four dollars. 
and people were talking about the oil companies and saying they're just trying to gouge us and they're trying we need to we need the congress says we're going to set up special committees and we're going to investigate and see why the insurance companies are gouging us and all they're doing really is is politicizing the whole thing when it's all just a matter of supply and demand if the oil companies and think about this the next time oil prices go up that why didn't they why did they let the prices go down to $2 a gallon why did they ever do that at least in our area if they really wanted to gouge, they would have kept their prices at $4 and kept making the money. Well, that didn't happen. So that's really a, a ridiculous analogy and a ridiculous accusation to save that. So it'll be positive for the consumer and, and, and more positive than negative. It's sure those oil company and those, uh, um, energy company stocks can go down because of this. So that, that hurts the stock market, but ultimately that translates into, to lower costs for all of us. And that lower cost to all of us means we have more money to spend on other things, which which would help the economy overall. Gold, it says later, a popular refuge in times of financial distress, had its best week since 2016. So here's my my typical caveat. So gold is up uh, 1674.20 is what it closed at. It hadn't been that long ago that it was under a thousand. It hadn't been that long ago before that it was over 1700. So we're getting back up closer to its high. So where is there more risk? Is there more risk in buying gold right now, or is there more risk in buying stocks? Well, if you go based on what's happened just in the last few weeks, there's more risk in buying gold than there is in stock because the price on that's hot. What about bonds versus stocks? Well, when you see the 10-year Treasury going down to below 1%, well, your fixed income portfolio should have performed very well over the last couple of weeks, which would help offset some of the downturn in the stocks. So if you're 50-50, some stocks, half stocks, half bonds, then your portfolio didn't look that bad. So don't fret over the portion of your portfolio that went down. We've had people, we've had clients even that said that I'm nervous about the market. And we look at their portfolio, they're only about 30%, 35% in stocks anyway. So well, that's the only part that's really affected by this, this downturn is that 35% or that 40% or that 50%. The rest of it is in something that's much safer than that. All right, so we got a lot more to talk about on the markets. And we'll finish up this uh, talking money after this, um, after this, after the bottom of the hour break. And so we'll talk some more about it. got a lot of statistics. I got enough to cover for about three or four hours, but only we'll have about 25 minutes when we get back. So we won't be able to cover everything that I've prepared for, but we'll certainly cover a lot of that information. But we want to make sure we answer your questions about money. So 877-235-9405 is the phone number. You can also text us. I'm live in the studio here today. This is not a best of today. This won't be because it's a it's a time-sensitive topic. 877-235-9405. Send us your questions or call us, and we'll be ready to answer those after this break. We'll be right back. This is Certified Financial Planner Professional Mike Miller, your host for Talking Money. I am pleased to have Ronald Blue Trust sponsor Talking Money to help educate listeners about financial planning so you have the information needed to help you make more informed and hopefully better decisions. When a Ronald Blue Trust advisor meets with prospective clients, their goal is to determine if any of our services are a good fit for them. They don't sell any products like annuities or life insurance and as a fiduciary work to serve your best interest. Perhaps you just need a financial physical from the Everyday Steward Division without any ongoing monitoring, or you're about to retire and need to work with the Private Wealth Division to map out a financial path and then help implement and continuously monitor that plan. 
Ronald Blue Trust Advisors act like your quarterback, coordinating the advice you receive from your accountant, your estate attorney, life insurance agent, and in some instances, even your investment advisor. You can learn more about Ronald Blue Trust at ronblue.com, send an email to greenville at ronblue.com, or call the Greenville office at 800 588 7526 or 864-233-7405. Now back to Talking Money. Good morning and once again, welcome back to Talking Money. This is Certified Financial Planner Mike Miller, your host for today. Also Certified Kingdom Advisors, also a Chartered Life Underwriter, but we won't talk about all those. The Certified Financial Planner is the main one that applies to this this particular program. Uh, well, I should say really all three of them do, but most people are familiar with the Certified Financial Planner, maybe not so much with the Certified Kingdom Advisor, which is more of a, that's what the Kingdom Advisors puts out. It's an official designation put out for those who have gone through extensive training uh, on the biblical aspects of money. The Bible says a lot about money. People don't realize it, and a lot of practical stuff that, that most of you would adhere to and just don't realize that it happens to be based on uh, on the Bible. So I had a question, a uh, text in here from uh, on the text line, it's, which is 877-235-9405, 877-235-9405. It's good morning. I was wondering, what are your thoughts on buying commercial paper? I've never bought commercial paper in, in, directly from a company. So commercial paper typically is issued by a company that just, and in, in, it's typically issued uh, very short-term maturity. So it's less than a year maturity. Uh, so uh, if you can find a company that has that is paying an, an interest rate that is higher than what you can find in just a money market account, because a lot of money market accounts, that's what they buy, buy a lot of commercial paper, and it's less risky because it matures so fast. It doesn't. It's not going to be susceptible as much to the fluctuations in interest rate market because it matures in just a, a month or two or three or something like that. Maybe maybe six months. But it's so it's the risk of volatility is taken way out of that. And there again, the because of that, the interest rate that you're going to get is going to be a lot lower. So it's another way to get something. I'd just be real careful. I, I would think the diversification that you're going to get from a money market fund is going to be a lot safer. Uh, but there again, if you're familiar with the company, you're confident it's going to pay and it's giving you another 20 basis points or 50 basis points more than what the money markets are paying, then um, I'd say go for it. But just just remember that you don't have the diversification risk that you might in a money market fund that would buy a lot of different kinds of commercial paper. But great question. So if you have a question or a comment, 877-235-9405. Love to, uh, to hear from you. So continuing the article that was in the Wall Street Journal this morning, where they were given a recap of the market, they came this week's, they said this week's turbulence came despite the Federal Reserve slashing its main interest rate by half a point Tuesday. So some of you remember that they did that, tried to help calm the markets and try to help uh, infuse some capital so that, although it's not going to help the coronavirus, I mean, lower interest rates uh, don't help cure a virus. It doesn't help do that. But hopefully it would help uh, calm the markets. Didn't seem to do a lot. Maybe it did, and it would have been even worse if they hadn't done that. But it's the first time it's had what they call an emergency rate cut since the start of the 2008 financial crisis. Later in the article, Friday's jobs report showed employers added more positions than expected in February. So that really, that report was so muted they talk about because most companies reported that before all the outbreak of the coronavirus. So to see, it'd be interesting to see how that filters out once the more the impact, the economic impact from the coronavirus is, is more felt and shows up more in some of the statistics. 
but uh, Michael Arone, chief investment strategy strategist at State Street Global, says it demonstrates that the labor market continues to be strong, and the and the unemployment actually went back down to three and a half. So things are looking good from that standpoint. But more, but folks are more curious about future jobs report and what they show of the coronavirus impacts. He says. Friday's late gains, so when I mentioned earlier, where in the last uh, 50 minutes, the market took off at a 600-point gain in just an hour. And that shows you how fast things can change. And, and you react, if you react negatively, and keep in mind, if, you've, if you're if you in a mutual fund and you want to sell, then you don't get out of it or in it until 4 o'clock. The price is set at 4 o'clock every day. So it doesn't make any difference if you go in at noon and say, well, I want to get out because the market's tanking or I want to get in quick because he's the market going up. It doesn't matter. You're going to get the four o'clock price no matter when you buy that or sell that during the day. So you want to be careful how much you react to things like that. And I thought earlier, if you if you were to think about or if I were to tell you that Despite what happened in the markets for the not this past week, the volatility, but certainly the downturn the week before, because it's over 10 percent, that I said, well, look, in a year to 18 months, uh, the market's not only going to make up for that, but it's going to go up another 5 to 10 percent on top of that. Would that make you feel better? Well, if I had a good crystal ball that knew for sure that was going to happen, it probably would. But nobody knows what's going to happen. Is that a very real possibility? Absolutely. The the lower it goes, as I mentioned even earlier in the broadcast today, the lower it goes, the more the risk has come out of it. Is it is it more or less risky investing in stocks now than it was, let's say, two weeks ago? Well, it's less risky. Does that mean there's still that the risk is gone? No. Could it go down more? Yes. Uh, and when I was on Joey's show, the, his morning show this past week, you I made the comment. So in in nine eleven, so was it? Safer to fly before 9-11 or after 9-11? And, and without thinking, some people say, well, before 9-11, because we didn't have that, that big catastrophe, that, that terrorist attack. Well, no, actually, the safety valves were put in, the safety features, safety protocols were put into place after 9-11, which has made it safer to fly ever since then than it was before. It just didn't feel like. Stock market, same way. It, uh, I'm, the, the prices are down. Is it safer now than it was before? Yes. Less risky? I shouldn't even say safer. But is it less risky? Yes. Uh, fixed income, which is normally the bastion, and it's something that you buy so that you can help the the volatility, give yourself more liquidity so that you don't have everything in the stock market, which you shouldn't unless you are younger and, and you're just going to go for it for the next 40 years. I have no problem with somebody being all in stocks for that. I uh, did talk to somebody this week, a uh, prospect who said they're, they're – uh, brother, I think it was, had everything in stocks, has always had everything in stocks. Well, over time, that's actually the, one of the less least risky ways to invest, always being in stocks. Because even though you would have taken the recent downturn, if you had it in stocks for years, it's even the last 10, 11 years, you would have made so much in that stock market that even the recent downturn, you still have a lot more than you would have had if you'd been conservative that whole time. So back um, to the article. Uh, let's see. Uh, Thomas Hayes, chairman of the investment management firm Great Hill Capital, said his firm had bought stock of high-quality companies that appeared cheap, and he mentioned several of them. He says, Mr. Hayes expects a rebound in the broader market as well. He says, if you look 12 to 18 months out, this will all be a distant memory, he says. Well, that's his opinion, and nobody knows for sure what's going to happen with some of that. But I will take you back in time to 2008. 
Let's go back in time to 2008. So we're looking at 12 years ago. Most of you still remember what happened back in 2008. And it does seem like a long time ago, doesn't it, Paul? That goes back. So back then, people were panicking more than they are now. And when you see pictures posted on Facebook and all these places that show some of these grocery stores where the shelves are empty, you know, people are buying all these hand sanitizers and and all the paper goods and all kind of stuff like that. You know, aren't we a selfish people? I mean, when you think about it, 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 go to the gas lines when you have gas prices going up or when we had the I still remember the the Arab oil crisis back in the 70s. And you had the long lines of people getting out. Of course, then, then you had to have it. But people wanted to try to hoard whatever they could hoard for themselves. And that's what's happening now. People go in there, going to buy all this stuff up uh, because they want to make sure they're taken care of. Uh, and if they would just buy what they need, <laughs> you probably wouldn't have the problem that you're having now. But back then, if you recall, back in October or so, September, October of, 20, of 2008, Jim Cramer from CNBC he was he was telling everybody, along with Susie Orman, telling people the same thing. Said, "Look how fast things have gone down." We're saying, if you need money in the next five years, I'll, I'll probably remember this for the rest of my life. For the next five years, then you ought to get that part out of the market. Well, I came on Channel Four and said, I told the news people down there, I said, "Look, we need to have an article. We need to have a." A segment about this because that's just overreaction, even for those news people. Maybe it made them sell more airtime. I don't know, but if you if you took that as face value and said, okay, yes, I'm gonna uh, this for the next five years of income needs, I'm gonna put that into cash, something very safe. Well, what happened was you missed out on a whole bunch of gain for the next five years that you have that it's permanently gone. You never got that re rebound uh, because you did that. So I was telling people, maybe for the next year, I wouldn't go any longer than a year that say, I wouldn't sell something that's down 30 or 40% unless you absolutely knew you need something for the next year because we don't know what's going to happen for the next year. The rest of it, you want to leave in there and, and see what happens because it had gone down so far so fast and it was way down below what the companies were really worth and they shouldn't have done that. Well, now you have some of that same hype going on now. We have the, the annuity salespeople. You have other people that are you have the gold people. You have them out there saying, Hey, this is the time. See, I told you what could have happened. Look at this going down like this. Well, if you had bought the, uh, most of the annuities that I've seen, and it's not going to be all of them, but the most of the ones I've seen, all the ones I've seen, if you go back a year and a half and go back over a year, if you'd bought that a year ago, you would have missed out on a big upturn. And yes, you would have not had this downturn, but all in all, you probably still wouldn't be better off. And long term, if you, if you're, now is not the time to say, well, I'm going to sell something when it's down 10, 12, 15% in order to buy something else that doesn't really have the option of going up. Don't, don't believe the hype on these, some of these annuities that say you get, you get most of the upside or half the upside or 80% of the upside without any caps and without any dangers of not getting that cuz you're 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 not going to get it the, the insurance company can't give you all that and not give you the downturn besides that when you buy an annuity you've got a an automatic loss in that for as long as there's a surrender charge so when you buy one and it's it's going to cost you 10% the first year to get out maybe for the first 3 years and it's going to go 9 8 whatever that surrender charge is if you want all your money out you can't get it without that charge. And I hear people say all the time, or well, the salespeople especially, yeah, but I'm not going to need it for 10 years. <laughs> well, you just you just proved my point. If you don't need it for 10 years, then why are you worried about tying it up for 10 years in something that 
that doesn't give you the upside when you can get into something else that say in 10 years, like the bond funds, there's more risk in those now, but the odds of them going down that same 10% during that period of time is still pretty low. Why not invest in the same thing the insurance company invests in and, not, and avoid all those huge charges that are in there? All right. Well, I've gone past the uh, break time. We've got a bunch of more information here to talk about on the, the markets and how you should react in it. 877-235-9405 is your last time to get in if you want to give a call or uh, send us a text. Do it now so we have enough time to answer your question before the break. 877-235-9405. We'll be right back. Ronald Blue Trust is pleased to sponsor Talking Money. Ronald Blue Trust has four distinct divisions that work with clients across the wealth spectrum. Private Wealth, Everyday Steward, Family Office, and the Professional Athlete Division. The company's largest division, Private Wealth, is designed to provide financial guidance for clients with an investable net worth of $1 million or higher. Private Wealth Advisors can provide advice in many areas, including managing cash flow, growing assets while decreasing debt, overseeing investment portfolios, developing tax-efficient estate and strategic giving plans, and utilizing trust services if needed, all with the big picture in view. The Private Wealth Division has 14 branch offices across the United States, including Greenville. For more information on Ronald Blue Trust branch offices and the advisors serving there, please visit www.ronblue.com. Now back to Talking Money. We've got about 10 minutes here left in Talking Money. This is Mike Miller, your host for today. So glad you're joining us. We've been talking about the stock market and also at the beginning of the show, talked some about the Generations Group Home Luncheon this coming Wednesday and the Miracle Hill um, Annual Fundraising Banquet the following week, the following uh, Tuesday night on the uh, 17th, I think it is. So either one of those are great causes. So we're, t- we're talking about the, the markets and the way it's reacting to the coronavirus and maybe some things you should do and not do. So I, I went out last night to, to get some carry out at a local restaurant. And when I went in there, uh, the, the place was almost full. So this was, uh, probably 545, uh, six o'clock ish. So it's a, it's a Friday night. It's supposed to be busier, but obviously, all the people who are in that restaurant were not at all concerned about getting the the virus, or at least they were going to make sure that they didn't touch anything and wash their hands good, which, of course, is always the best way to help prevent that virus from spreading or getting it from something else that you might touch. Wash those hands and do it for you know at least 20 seconds. I try to do it for a little longer than that. Even saw Dr. Oz, my wife, showed me, hey, look how Dr. Oz says to, to wash your hands and make sure you kind of cup them and get those fingernails real clean, you know. So we want, we don't want to get those viruses, but we also don't want to, to overreact. And, and I've got charts here that show, and don't have time to go into all these things, but charts that show all these other viruses that we've had in the past. And every one of them we got past, we end up rebounding. Yes, might it have a negative effect on the markets uh, initially? Sure. But I, I go back to the, the comment and the strategy I've talked about for years on talking money and this don't have everything there. And if, if you have get too nervous about the amount that you have in there when it goes down, then you've got too much in there. Now, some people would say, Oh, I get nervous if anything's in there. Well, then they say, well, but I'll say, but don't get so conservative on your investments over the long term basis that you, you reduce the risk of volatility, but you drastically increase your risk. What I just said, drastically increase your risk of your loss of purchasing power. 
You're keeping up with your standard of living. The cost of living keeps on going up so high, your investments don't keep up with that. Now, if you have enough pension money, Social Security money, that even with the prices going up, you're going to be fine. Okay, you're in a different uh, situation, but most people aren't that way. They have to rely somewhat on their investments. So you need to have, I think, some portion, maybe it's 10%, maybe it's 30%, whatever it is, in the stock market, something that's growth-oriented to help make sure you keep up with that cost of living. And and don't be the kind of person that invests in it, waits till it goes down 5, 10, or like it did this past week, 10, uh, week before last, 10 some percent, plus percent, and then say, I can't take it anymore, and you get out of it, you should have never been in to begin with. You had too much in there, if that's the case for you. But also I've had people that have asked and they, they see their portfolio go down and they don't realize the portfolio is built in pieces. So Ronald Blue Trust does have a way to segment that into time-based portfolios. And the software to do it is we're still tweaking that to get the report correctly, but the, the concept is there. You've got somebody in your short-term bucket, some additional money, you got another bucket that's a mid-term bucket, maybe two to five years, maybe even ten, and you got a five, ten plus year bucket, which is your long-term bucket, which is where these stocks are. The part that went down the most in the last couple of weeks, most volatile, was a part in that long-term bucket that you should need for at least five to ten years. Right? So as long as you have some other liquidity that you don't need to sell when it's down, stocks are going to go down. One of the few guarantees I can give people. Stocks are going to go down. And if history, history repeats itself, stocks are going to go back up. They've, they've never had a situation like that. I remember back in 08, another, another question I asked listeners, and I'll ask it again today. If anybody can tell me when you call in and you tell me the last time that stocks went down from their peak, when they didn't eventually go back up to higher than it was before it started going down. I want to know when that was. Yeah, there'll be, there'll be silence because there's never been a time when stocks have gone down that didn't end up going back higher than it was before. And nobody can time that market. Nobody knows when that's going to happen, when it's not going to happen. How, when the downturn is going to be, how long it's going to be, how far it's going to be. This just doesn't happen. So I always like reading Gary Alexander. He always keeps things in perspective. And his blog this past week was, uh, the media make bad news sound worse. This is, uh, I think, put out on Tuesday. So he says, the headlines and comments I heard last week almost all dealt in superlatives. The worst, this, and that. So he gave a couple of examples. Dow plunges 1,100 worst point drop in history, CNBC on February 27th. Three of the Dow's five worst days in history happened this week. That was Tucker Carlson and Fox News. So the problem with this reporting is that they deal in absolute numbers. Dow points in this case rather than percentage declines, and they deal in short-term Short time frames, like a week, rather than longer perspectives. And every time I see that long, I always remember that, that show with, uh, with Doug and, um, um, oh, what's her name? Heffernan's, where they, they, they buy a stock and when they buy the, the stock, they, they say they're, they're going to be long-term investors when they, they're holding it just like for a week at a time. So that was, that's always, a, that's a funny episode if you ever listen to that one. So anyway. He says, as most casual market historians know, the Dow collapsed by over 22% on October 1987. I remember that. About five times as much in percentage terms. There have been 20 daily Dow declines over 7%. And we had near, we just had a 4.4%, which is a lot. It's tough to take because it looks worse because of all the, the points that is. 
But sharp declines have happened several times during this 11-year bull market. You seldom hear this kind of historical perspective from the major media. They always scream that this is the worst day since, rather than say this has happened before and the market recovered within a few months. Uh, then he, some more explanation. There have been 26 market corrections, not including last Thursday. And this is not, uh, this is, this was written Tuesday, so it doesn't count this week's since World War II with an average decline of 13.7%. Recoveries have taken four months on average. The most recent correction occurred from September 2018 to December 2018 when the market fell almost 20%. According to Ed Yardini, there have been six 10% plus corrections during this bull market. Two of them falling over 19% in the S&P 500 and two other corrections was almost top 10%, reaching a total decline of 98 and 9.9%. So very interesting when you look at, at historical perspective, what's happened before. Some, for some reason we forget these things have happened before and we look at what's happening now and we extrapolate that and it's going to keep on happening and it never does up or down. It just never does, never has and I don't think it will this time. So most of the sharpest market declines in market history happened because stocks rose too far too fast and a narcotic euphoria set in. And we had a little bit of that this week, although I think the, the economy was still strong and still is to justify much of that. The S&P 500 declined 11.5% last week, so this week before last. Bespoke shows how the S&P has performed in the weeks and months after all weekly drops of over 10%. There have been 14 such massive weekly declines. Bespoke found that the index has averaged a gain of 3.5% the following week. We had 1.8. With positive returns in 12 out of the 14 previous times. We did have a positive return after that week. Over the next four weeks, the S&P averaged a gain of 2.92%, with a median gain of 4.1% over the next three months. Uh, so now he says, uh, what, what should you do now? He says, uh, I've been investing for over 50 years, and I'm ashamed to say that I panicked and sold my first stock investment during the crisis of 1974. I sold at the worst possible time. I also sold my retirement portfolio in 1979 when I thought the market was doomed. I bought gold instead. In short, I made a lot of mistakes. So this is a guy that's made a lot of mistakes over the years. And he's trying to share that with you to say, don't make the same mistakes that he made over that same period of time. There's also another piece I'll just mention. I think you can go online and find it uh, somewhere on the Schwab site. But it's called Panic is Not a Strategy. Nor is greed. Liz Ann Saunders with Schwab, uh, chief strategist at Schwab, has put that out. Uh, that was, uh, well, actually, this was on August 15th. She, she, interesting how she, this still applies today. So you, you just want to be careful that you don't panic at the wrong time. You also make sure you don't have greed that gets in there and keeps you from uh, getting uh, properly diversified or keeping uh, properly diversified. Um, it's just, you know, keep a level head and don't do things that that long term seem like uh, short term seem like a good thing in long. Nobody can time the market. Uh, keep that part in the in the long term investments that that you're not going to need right away. So you don't have to panic and sell at the wrong time. Keep a lot of liquidity available to you, especially as you get closer to retirement to make sure. And don't fall into this. I don't have I'm 70 years old and I don't have time for it to recover. Well, unless you're going to die in five years, yeah, you do. So, and most people are going to live a lot longer than that. So, try to give you a little perspective today here on Talking Money. I hope it's helped. Any questions, of course, talkingmoneyradio.com is the place to ask me a question and get some more information. Have a great week. See you next week.